With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear him on the run home on SENSA. If you flick it over whenever you like on the SEN app in the afternoon with his co-host Kim Dillon and this big story bubbling away and it revolves around a national reserves competition and the big story that the famous Port Adelaide Magpies will be leaving the sand for. Michelangelo Rucci is his name. Rucci, thanks for your time. Hello, it is indeed a big story in an Adelaide context but it will have massive national ramifications. We're finally going to sort out a mess that's been Australian football for more than 40 years I think. So get us up to speed, Roach, for, for those that have sort of switched off footy mode and you know they've, they've heard a little bit bubbling away and David Kosh has had some strong things to say, but perhaps they weren't taking really close notice of what he has had to say and the implications for what it means. Can you get us up to speed on the latest? Well, there's a couple of things that have been happening in parallel. Around the competition, everyone has noted that we don't have a good second tier. Uh, the, the frustrations in the West particularly with Sydney, where Charlie Gardner's just not been happy, happy with what happens under the AFL. We've seen the VFL system just become cumbersome. In South Australia, we thought we had a pretty good model through the sample, but clearly Port Adelaide and the Crows just can't get the best development program they have. And Port Adelaide are going to lead the way on this one and just say, it is broken, it is time to now have a national reserves competition. We will see an 18-team league, an 18-team reserves competition, and we're probably then going to even see an 18-team under-18 competition while we just get the structure of footy right at the top end, but the pyramid needs to be sorted out at the bottom as well. So Port Adelaide has put its cards on the table at AFL saying, let's get this national reserves competition happening, because they can't exist in the sample for much longer. So you followed the Magpies and its history closer than anyone. Uh, if you're going to get someone to speak about it, it, it is you. So just a question on what it means for the sample because it's been such a strong competition for so long, a great feeder for the AFL with many South Australian champions coming through for a long period of time. Yeah. Is it dead, Rooch? Is it dead without the Magpies? I can't imagine the sample without the Magpies in it. Well, when you were a very, very little boy, Kane, it's 1990s. Uh, Port Adelaide put up its hand. It wanted to go in the big league. Mm. And when they got the license in 94, one of the original conditions of going to the AFL was you exited the sample. There would only be an eight-team competition that would even that up. But the reality was that SA Footy just couldn't contemplate not having the Magpies exist in the sample. It didn't work. It just confused everyone as to what was Port Adelaide. Was it an AFL club? Was it a Sandville club? Were there two clubs altogether? And more importantly, right now, is that you just don't see Port Adelaide having the best options 
and they don't have comparable options to other AFL clubs without having a reserves team where they decide which recruits they get. They've been taking country players who are virtually C-graders and giving them lead games in the sample. That doesn't help Port. It doesn't help the sample. It's time to clean this mess up. It means mm. just having the disconnect now between Port Adelaide and the sample. Now, yep, I would be disappointed to see the end of a story, but that's what came with going to the AFL. Port Adelaide said it was going to go play in the big league. Unfortunately, in the big league, there was a club called Collingwood that was the Magpies wore black and white, so they couldn't keep up the image of what they were in black and white, but they were always going to be Port Adelaide in the AFL. Time to just cut the cord and say, I, I call it the no-blame divorce. The Sanford's mm. got to look after its interests, which are eight traditional clubs, which play to a different salary cap, different recruiting rules. Port Adelaide and the Crows are AFL clubs, and they need to find their development strategies in a different competition. So no one's to blame. No one's going to actually look at it and say, your fault for this happening. It's just a no-blame divorce. Sort it out, guys. Just form a national structure to our footy, which is good for everyone. We've got to sort out what this pyramid finally looks at. Because it's been a mess mm. for far too long. Just look at what the VFL's become. Look what the NEFL then destroyed itself out. Look at the West, where what West Coast is clearly going through says they can't have a development program it's now attached uh, to the um, to the waffle. It's not going to work. Logistically, how big a task is it for the AFL to develop this second tier competition? I oh, know it's it's pretty clear now. All they've got to do is get chartered flights. It doesn't matter then how many people you've got on the plane. Uh, let's just get it done. I mean, it's there's enough money in footy now to say that the best model is a national reserves competition. There isn't going to be extra you know, travel costs once you've got chartered flights. Mm. I dare say that there's going to be some television money by having what we thought was going to be called the D-League. The more greater concern is once you get the Sample and the Waffle and the VFL and any other state league at the third level, how do we protect the grassroots so they yep. don't wither? Because then the AFL is in big trouble. So we've yeah. got to look at the big picture. I can remember Gillan McLaughlin, when he took the job as AFL chief executive, said he was going to do a full review of what was under the AFL. I'd never know what happened to that review if it even began. Mm. But if I was advising Andrew Dillon, I'd be saying, sort this one out as quick as possible, because the sooner you get this sorted, footy's going to be better, not just for the AFL, but for everyone. Yeah, big big issue for Andrew Dillon to sort his way through. So 2025, is that is that the time frame? Are you confident it will be introduced by then? Well, Port's been making it known that they want to be out of the sample before 2027. Whether it's 2025, everything can be put in place, that would be ideal. Um, it, look, it really is a case of the sooner it's done, the better mm. for everyone. But there's a lot of work to unravel what is a really complicated system whereby we know what South Australia needs, we know what Western Australia needs. Victoria's pretty clear what it needs. What happens around New South Wales and Queensland is a little bit more challenging. Now, I, I know certainly Sydney wants to resolve it. I would dare say the Queensland clubs, after what they've been through recently, want to resolve it. And we've got Tasmania knocking on the door. We don't, we've got a lovely house, but we've been adding on all sorts of extensions that don't fit. It's time to actually come up with one nice-looking house for footy. Yeah, Roach, whilst I've got you, a couple of other things outside of this topic. Don Pike, you, you covered him closely in his time as coach of the Crows, we've spoken about how well-rounded he is in every aspect of, of football departments, really. He's done everything. 
Is it a good yeah. appointment? I reckon it is at the Eagles, and I've liked what he's had to say already. Uh, West Coast clearly needs to be refreshed. It needs new ideas. He knows what it's like on the inside. He's had enough experiences now on the outside with Adelaide and also Sydney. And I always felt, and look, I've said it before, and I'm not going to hide away from it, I thought Don Pike was a very good coach of a footy team, but not a good coach of a footy club. So his challenge yeah. now... What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Well, you know what a team system is. It's a bubble. All you worry about is the players and winning a footy game. But, you know, coaching Adelaide or coaching any team such as Adelaide, a big, big team in a football town like Adelaide, means you have to look after the club. And the club is more than just a footy team. So that's his challenge. Can he see beyond the change room to see what the clubhouse is and what the club, particularly West Coast, which is enormous in Perth, means beyond just wearing you know, a shirt on a Saturday to win four premiership points. He's got to get a club focus rather than a team focus. I felt he failed that challenge in Adelaide. Hope he's learnt from it to build, understand what it is about building clubs rather than building, you know, great footy teams. Yeah, and if, if he thought the, uh, the spotlight was uh, thick here in Adelaide, it's going to be even, they're going to watch them closer at the Eagles with the media coverage over there and the way that their media uh, covers the Eagles. And lastly, last night I discussed the, the AFL rookie list and, and how it's become exploited by clubs. And this has been happening for a while. You and I have discussed this off air. What would you do with it? How would you reform the rookie list and how do we get it back to what it was once there for? And that is for players who were probably overlooked in the national draft, who aren't ready for AFL football, but can come and join an elite system and take their time yeah. off the primary list. There's got to be an age limit on this, doesn't there, Rich? We can't have Jake Melch in the rookie list. Yeah, it's a joke. I mean, when Eddie Betts becomes a rookie again yeah. at Carlton, at the, what was he, 34, and he had, what, 300 games under his belt, that's a joke. So let's be real about this, and this is where the National Reserves system then completes this. We then look, clearly we need... A senior list, a supplementary list, and a rookie list. And the rookies are back to what we originally knew they were. So they would then be players who can't play in the AFL but are part of your national reserves team. When they develop to a point whereby you see them as being worthwhile as being AFL players, you upgrade them at a cost of taking someone off your senior list. That was the original plan. So let's get back to it. You have a senior list, a supplementary list that you add to when you suddenly find that you do need an Eddie Betts back at your club or a a Naysmith. And let's have rookies as what they originally were to actually learn the craft. When you prove yourself, you get upgraded. And then someone has to fall off your list, whether it be by injury or lack of form or you've decided you want to trade them in the mid-season trade. We've got a lot of pieces of this jigsaw puzzle. We haven't put them together. We haven't worked out what this game needs to be. And I think Andrew Dillon, for all the issues that have been left on his table, would want to take this one up pretty quickly. Beautifully done, Roach. Thanks for your time. Pleasure.